Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. We're back for our 23rd episode of Ripstop on the Record. I'm Avery. Hey, everybody, and I'm Jameson. In this episode, we share our personal MYOG journeys, as well as read some that were sent in to us. Since we started the podcast, the one thing that I've gathered from each and every guest is passion. And in this episode, we wanted to harness that to hopefully inspire new makers and encourage those who need a little bit more push in their MYOG journey. But before we get into the episode, we have a few quick announcements. We have a lot of exciting new products that are going to be released that you can add to your DIY toolkit. Um, Some things that we're adding on are seam rippers, wonder clips, rotary cutters, replacement rotary blades, reverse action tweezers, (laughs) Schmetz Microtex needles, uh, a seam roller, a ruler, a marking pencil. So make sure you check that out on our website. We are revamping the DIYers toolkit to be on the good stuff. But if you like our podcast, then you'll also probably like our other content. You've heard it before, but we release videos all the time. And this week we've released three videos, including a bear bag tutorial, how to hang your bear bag, as well as a zip wallet tutorial. So there's a lot out there. Subscribe to our email list if you want to get our value-based content and also know about our F3s. All right, let's get into the episode. We got the crew here today with Carter and Jameson. Uh, A few weeks ago, we asked about people's MYOG or make your own gear journeys, and it got us thinking about our own. Today, we just want to share our backgrounds and what got us into MYOG. Then we will share a few of our favorite responses. But before we get started, let's talk beverages. I believe the Carter's the only one that <laughs> is showing up today with some brewskis. So what you got for us, Carter? What up? What up? Yeah. So I've got the uh, Hoppy Camper Intense IPA. I thought that would be uh, pretty fitting for what we're doing. And this is from Innovation Brewing, which is in Silva slash Dillsboro, two of the best places on earth. I had that beer this weekend. Carter and I went out and did a hang a uh, little backpacking trip thing out in Nashville. And it was solid. It was particularly solid halfway through a hike. And then, so I don't have a beer today. I'm, I'm training now. I'm trying to do an ultra in this fall. So I've got a San Pellegrino blood orange. So not beer, but arguably better than beer. I, I kind of love it. False. Everyone disagrees, but that's fine. I still love it. And for those of you listening who might not know where Silva or Dillsboro is, that is in North Carolina for all of our international listeners, which we are starting to like get a little following going. So that's exciting. I didn't even know where that was, to be fair. I didn't even know where those towns were. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, well, it's where dreams go to die. All right. So like I said earlier, we will be sharing our MYOG journey stories. And why don't we kick it off with Carter? Definitely. Yeah. So um, I've been doing some preparations for this. And honestly, I was trying to remember like what my journey is, because it seems like it's been so long since I didn't like my my life 
didn't in some way revolve around fabrics or making gear or whatever. Um, so as far as I know, tracing it back, I'm pretty sure the first time I made anything was around 2014. And I was, I, I was recovering from ankle surgery. So I had a pretty bad ankle surgery that took like a year to recover from. And during that time, my father-in-law, uh, was into backpacking and hammocks and things like that. And at first, I remember the first time I got in a hammock, I was so terrified. I was, I was like shaking in his backyard. I was like, dude, what if I like fall down? He's going to judge me. He's not going to let me date his daughter if I fall out of this thing. And, uh, and then I got in, I was like, dude, this is amazing. So I started doing a bunch of research and reading a bunch of words that I didn't know what they meant, like whoopee sling and stuff like that. And I've, my mom saw my search history and almost got in trouble, but I was trying to explain that it's a hammock thing. Um, yeah, at some point, uh, so my wife now, uh, at the time, my girlfriend, Ashley had like a tiny, like baby blue sewing machine, like a kid sewing machine, basically. But I think it was for adults, but barely, um, kind of like what I am now. And I was like, Hey, you took like fashion or whatever in school. So could you show me how to sew? And then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I don't want you to teach me. Just give me the machine. I'll figure it out myself. So I wanted to make like a stuff stack for my tarp stakes or something. I don't even know if it had a purpose. I just wanted to make a stuff stack. So I went to Joanne fabrics and I got some ripstop nylon. Um, it was dark olive. I remember that. And I got some thread and I put it in the machine and she showed me like how to get it started. But for the most part, I wanted to do it myself. And I just busted out a stuff sack and I brought it upstairs upstairs to show my mom. And so my grandma was a seamstress for like her, basically her entire life. Um, and she passed away recently. So I showed it to my mom and she like started crying. She's like, you're just like your grandma. And I'm like, no. So I, <laughs> I'll never forget that though. She was like super impressed that I like just randomly made something my first time sewing and it didn't look like uh a jackson pollock painting or something but yeah so that was like the first thing i ever made and then from there it was just, it was over um if you guys have listened to the podcast before or know me at all you know that my personality is one of uh great obsession when i find something that i enjoy or i want to learn about then i will latch onto that thing in this case for years and it eventually became my job because I want to learn everything there is to know about it. And this was no exception. So I, oh man, I started buying way too much fabric from way too many places. And I started making things. I made my first backpack. Um, I don't even know, probably like six months later, I was already making backpacks and I actually, um, I actually sold that backpack. And then from there, uh, yeah, I just kept going. I started making stuff for my father-in-law, obviously, because he's the one that got me started and he doesn't sew. So like every once in a while, he'd be like, hey, uh, Rips Up by the Roll has that new fabric. Are you going to make me a hammock out of it? And I was like, oh, yes, sir. Of course. Absolutely, sir. And I would like make him like three uh, just, you know, because I wanted to marry Ashley. Um, but yeah, I, other than that, it's honestly kind of a haze between 2000 and 2015 and when I started working here in 2017. Um, obviously, I was in college and stuff like that. But I... You know, my MYOG journey also led me to do like some contract work for different outdoor companies like UGQ and Townsend Hammocks. I was doing like their splicing and getting paid by the piece. Like in my dorm room, I would splice it up and send it to them. 
Um, so that was like kind of my start into doing it semi-professionally, if you will. And yeah, honestly, in terms of like the things that I've made, I was trying to tally up like, oh yeah, well now I started out making a stuff sack and now I make this. But honestly, I think the spot that I'm in in my MYOG journey now is that I'm learning how to use like different machines other than just a regular sewing machine, like switching over to a serger and things like that and learning more about pattern making. Um, but yeah, I think my goal is to just get to a spot where no matter what, no matter what thing I see, I want to know that I'm able to make it like I have a new backpack that actually, here's a better example. I bought a chair the other day at REI and the stuff sack that came with it was like, uh, it was made of like burlap or something. I mean, it was ridiculous. So I made like a DCF, uh, like zipper pouch kit for it that, or here, I'll actually, I can show it on camera. That's right here. So I made this for it and it just holds the chair and it weighs like 20 grams instead of 2,565 kilograms. So yeah, I think now where I'm at is just, I see something that someone comes out with somewhere on the internet and I'm like, Hey, I want to make that. And then I try to make it. Um, yeah. That pack that you sold, what made that pack so coveted? Like I have, I, I know the story, but I, I barely know it. And I have no idea what that pack was like. Um, so the, the first pack that I made, it was pretty cool. So I borrowed some stuff from my friend, Jeremy from Bonefire gear and some other gear companies out there. Like it had stretch mesh, stretch, stretch, okay. Stretch mesh pockets. And it was made of Hyper D 300 dark olive and charcoal gray. And it had like reflective orange grow grain everywhere, which was pretty cool. And I took like the grow grain and turned it into like a piping that went into the pack so that it would all be reflective. Um, and then I had some shoulder straps. Uh, I think the shoulder strap design was pretty unique at the time. It had like, I used a D ring attachment that like mounted onto the backpack and could like move and articulate with your anatomy, which was really cool. Um, I think those are made out of DCF. I don't know. I mean, it was just a, and it had like a removable hip belt. Like you see a lot nowadays, like most of the ultralight packs have like a removable fanny pack hip belt or removable hip belt. And mine had that, which at the time there was not really that there were not, that wasn't really for sale that often. As far as like why he was interested I think I probably just sold it for like really cheap. And he was like, damn, that's like a low price. And so he bought it. I don't know. I don't know that it was exceptionally phenomenal. It was pretty cool. It had like magnetic buckles on it too. Sorry. I'm just now remembering everything about it. I do remember my first day of work at Ripstop, by the, uh, maybe like third day. Cause the first day I had no idea. That was when Kyle put my punch card in upside down. Cause he didn't know how to use it. And I was like, so confused about what was going on. I was like, oh no, like what? And like, I, I was too afraid to ask like what time lunch was or anything. And nobody told me. So like, I was just like working and I would look over and everybody would be gone. And I was like, yo, what is going on here? And like, I, I didn't even eat the first day. I'll never forget that. But yeah, so probably like the fourth, third or fourth day, I was like, okay, I got it. The courage. The only meal you've ever missed in your life. <laughs> Pretty much. And so then I guess like I brought that pack in to show people so i was like hey i didn't realize that like i was one of the only people that was doing diy stuff at our company at that time too so like, i got brought it in and most people were like oh my gosh that's made out of this stuff that we're cutting and yeah but other than that I, to answer your question i don't really I, it wasn't special i don't know i mean i did kiss it 
I mean, for him. It was it was special though. He saw you. He knew he's like this guy's gonna be legit. Fair play. I mean, he did know who I was already from the forums and stuff. So maybe he just like wanted a memento. I have I really have no idea. Um, I should reach out to him at some point and see if he'll take a picture of. That's awesome. I want to see that pack one day. That's my journey. I don't know if you guys have any questions. I feel like I just had the longest run on sentence ever, but tried to keep it concise. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you just want to jump straight into your journey and how you've evolved as a young caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly? Thanks for sharing that, Carter. Wow. I, I feel enlightened. Um, all right. So my MIOG story is much shorter than Carter's timeline wise from the beginning to where we are now is a total of like 13 months, not uh, that many years, <laughs> but MIOG holds an interesting place for me um, because I have only known how to sew for just over a year and MIOG has only been even a phrase that that's relevant to me for just over a year. It did come along at a pretty important time for me. So I lost my job in April of 2020. So that's COVID times. I worked at an athletic uh, center where big events and large gatherings were kind of everything to us. So when COVID came, that shut everything down. So I lost my job and uh, with COVID happening, it was a dark time, struggling with depression, missing my friends, family, things like that. And one of my buddies, was interested in floorless shelters. He had seen something somewhere on like Kirifu or a company like that and thought that tarps were super rad. So he was determined to make one and, and started doing research. I didn't think much of it. I had no idea how to sew. I had no idea about textiles or fabric technology or anything like that, but was sort of entertaining him because I thought it was cool. So he sent me a ripstop by the roll Instagram post one day and you know, at least for a day, I fell into the wormhole and was like, this is pretty cool. People are making some pretty rad stuff, but that's not me. I still don't know how to sew. And I especially don't know about technology. So fast forward a little bit more, uh, Rip Side by the Road was hiring. Um, and the same friend, John, sent me the Facebook post that Kyle had made about us looking to hire somebody. And I realized that we were located in Durham. So I was also living in North Carolina and I was hoping to move up to the Triangle area. So I applied for that job and to hopefully bolster my shot with this job, I decided like, man, if I'm going to try to work for them, I should probably be able to tell them that I know how to sew or that I've at least made gear before. So I went to my mother-in-law and I was able to loan a sewing machine and went to uh, Hobby Lobby, got some white ripstop nylon and some other stuff that I don't even know what it is and made a stuff sack, just a roll top dry bag. And it's horrible. I actually just threw it away the other day because it got infested by ants. It's in my dog food thing, <laughs> but it was horrible. Absolutely terrible. The machine was rough. I didn't know what I was doing at all. Watched some YouTube videos, but it's completely out of my element. So it was touching on a little bit more, but the, that summer, like I said, was a fairly dark time. It was, it was hard for me. I didn't have work. I was bored again, missing friends and family. Um, but I was training for 50 K I had this one race coming up and with my unemployment and with COVID times, I, that race was even, it was questionable as to whether or not it was going to happen. So the one piece of gear I really needed was a running vest. So the more I followed Rift out of the role and heard about it and saw about it, I, I realized that people were making vests and there was a small chance uh, not through any confidence from my roll top dry bag, but a small chance that I might be able to make a vest for that 50K. So fast forward a little bit more, I was talking with Kyle um, and I was offered a job. I completely accepted that job and I was stoked. And that's when I first met Carter and other people that are working here. So 
the MYOG for me, what it kind of means in a lot of ways and tidying the story up a little bit more is, is the community. I didn't know about sewing. I've only learned to sew and make gear within the last year. I've made a lot within that time, but I had no idea what I was doing, but it was purely the people that were opening the avenue for me uh, and a time that I was very receptive to that. So fortunately, the, the sewing, the early projects that I did were kind of therapeutic and also distracting for me at the time. Now, luckily, I'm in a much better place and I can sew with a lot more, more freedom, but uh, it has definitely meant a lot to me and I've definitely made a lot of cool gear. So at this point, I just love the projecting of it. I love looking to solve problems in different ways or the skills that I have or I don't have and I have to learn those new ones or even the new gear, fabric, things like that. I definitely never th thought I would uh, be sewing in my future. Younger me would never have seen that one coming but it's an incredibly helpful skill. I can't tell how many of my friends like, Hey man, can we make this? Or I'm really looking for this type of bag. You think you can help me out with that. And uh, so it's been fun to learn, but for John and Carter and other people, it's uh, the MYOG community has been really awesome and people are very willing to help, which past me is very thankful for. Yeah. I can remember uh, interviewing you. And I also remember that, like, I'll tell you that your choice to like, become one of our customers to understand our customer stood out to both me and Kyle as like, Hey, like this dude is like, maybe he's not a DIYer now in the sense that we are or that I am really, but <clears throat> he, it's clear. It was clear to me that it was something that was important to you, even like from the first time you did it. So I, I do specifically remember that standing out to me. I was like, wow, like he was willing to like go ahead and learn how to sew like just to get, just to work here. And so, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, and yeah, you've also made, like, I've been doing this, I guess, like for seven years, you probably made the same amount of things that I've made in like the past seven months. Only like four of them useful, but that, that's, it's all part of the process. <laughs> I also love that both of your journeys kind of were help spawn by your parent loss. Is that what, is that the right word? Parent loss? uh yeah yeah parent yeah so avery i think that uh i'm ready to hear about your journey so hook us up yeah so my journey started back in high school i was just trying to think of the year but i think i was like a sophomore probably a sophomore and i took a sewing class for an elective and just really fell in love with it. We had like, I don't know, there was at least, I mean, we all had our own sewing machine. There was at least 15 of us. Um, shout out to Miss Grisham from Kennesaw Mountain High School. Shout out Miss Grisham. <laughs> the OG. <laughs> Respect on her name for always. So we always had like projects to do. I think I probably started off with like a pillow sham and then for some reason I decided I wanted to make curtains um no one else was making curtains I must have just felt the need that I needed some really custom curtains so I was I was actually describing these to a friend earlier today so I'm just going to give you a quick rundown they were pinched pleat curtains and like the first top of them were like a silk taffeta gingham <laughs> and then the bottom <laughs> the bottom half is this like orange translucent like mesh material with embroidered design on it and then you know I just topped it all off with some like obnoxious pom-pom balls and some trim but I I was like used rolled hem techniques like had to do the pinch pleats myself but 
I don't, that was an interesting project. I honestly don't know why I was so passionate about those curtains, but they're still great. They're still hanging in my room at my parents' house. <laughs> it sounds almost exactly like my wedding dress. <laughs> like what you described is what what I wore. So that's that's pretty odd. It's weird that that happened. We should do a who wore a butter pick. <laughs> the answer is not me. I'll just go ahead and, I'll just go ahead and say that. Definitely the windows wore it better. Yeah, but that was definitely a project where, like, you know, I wasn't using a pattern, uh, more freehand, um, not good at math, went to art school. So if that tells you anything. Um, and then I did make a dress that I ended up wearing to my lacrosse banquet. So, you know, was the weird kid for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Anytime, anytime someone finds out you sew, they're like, that's cool. And also that's weird. I know. We all are the weird kid in our own way. It's getting cooler these days. You know, we're starting a movement. Um, so I guess that was obviously, that was about like, well, it was over 10 years ago, like 12, 13 years ago from now. And then um, fast forward, maybe like five or six years ago, I was in between jobs. I was trying to think of something that I could make extra money, like side hustle for the holidays. And there's this big antique market down in Atlanta by the airport called Scott's. And I got a wild hair, which is like something that's pretty normal for me. But I decided I was going to make Christmas stockings and sell them. So like made my own pattern, went and bought like a bunch of like bohemian hand dyed batik African fabrics and made some like really, I also worked at anthropology, which is a clothing store for five years. So if that tells you anything, but I was like, these stockings were selling more like $98. And I was like, I can make these. So I made 88 stockings in eight days. Oh my God. <laughs> I just went like full force. And then I, I paid for a booth space. I go to this market, I set up and I, I didn't sell one stocking all weekend except for a friend that came to visit me and felt so bad she bought some. You still have any? I'll buy the rest. <laughs> yeah. Dude, send Rubber me made. one of those. Send me some. Oh my gosh, we will put those in our house. <laughs> okay, wait. I also started this whole was like a whole business. So I made a business name and a logo, and it was called To Fill a Stocking Bird. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is awesome. <laughs> this is making me cry. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> Just having like a lot of recovered memories, you know? So, <laughs> um, don't feel too bad for me because I ended up like having a Christmas party at my house and I invited my friends. And turns out if you give your friends so many like champagne jello shots that they'll end up just like buying your stuff when you're drunk. So I just like gave them a little liquor, pulled the stuff out, let people buy stuff. It worked well. But then um, everyone in my family got a stocking and yes, Carter, I still have a box. So um, I will pull them back out next time I'm around them and send you some pictures. I will. Dude, I will literally buy like six of those. Good to know. Hang them at the office. Everybody can have one of Avery's stocking at the Except office. Except for Kyle. He gets coal. That's what inspired me. I did that blog for Ripstop on like Christmas inspired, sorry, holiday inspired projects. And um, I did make, there's a little stocking up there that if you were curious and, you know, it's, it's August, but it'll be Thanksgiving soon. And if you want to get your head started on making your own stocking for this holiday season, we have a blog on that. 
It's funny you mentioned that because I remember us talking about that blog and you said you were like, oh, I can make stockings. I'll, I'll do that. And I was, it made sense to me. So I just was like, that's awesome. That That's so cool. Like, thank you for doing that or whatever. I don't, and then you made it and I saw a picture and I was kind of shocked. I'm like this stocking is really, really good. Like how did she just have this up her sleeve? How did she just whip out a stocking in a day? I saw it too. And I was like, yo, this is like an artisanal stocking. Like, I mean, I knew that she knew how to like create gear, but why is it like, it was clear that you'd practice it a hundred times once I'd seen it. Oh, you have. 88 to be exact. Makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. No, but I was like, you know, everyone has stockings in their house. If you're anything like, I mean, most of us, like my mom, what is that called? Cross-stitching? My stocking I grew up with is a hand cross-stitch stocking from my mom that she like did while she was pregnant with me. And it's like a weird child. And it says my name at the bottom and she still hangs it up. But I was like, you know, why don't, why don't you decorate like your interests? Like make you make make mini backpacks and hang them on the tree or make like a dcf stocking because that would just be extra bougie why not so Dude, i'm gonna make my next stocking out of 5.0 dcf i'm gonna give it to my mom to hang up and i'm gonna like go to get something out of it and it's gonna be so stiff that you like can't even put anything in it it's just like santa's gonna grab that and it's gonna crinkle so loud everybody in the house is gonna wake up <laughs> Yeah, if you want to make sure your kids aren't tampering with their stockings a day ahead of time, make it out of some DCF and you'll, it's like a free alarm system. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's a quick rundown of my MYOG journey. And then like everyone else, quarantine hit and I was sitting at home and I was like, you know, I have some sewing skills and uh, the sewing machine that I actually grew up learning on for 10 years, my grandmother bought for me. So it was a sweet memory for me to sew and do something that, you know, she could still be a part of, even though she wasn't physically here. So sweet memes. And then, yeah, same like Jameson. I was like, I think I can do something. And on Ripstop and saw that they were hiring. And here, here we are. <laughs> I love it. I think it's so interesting to hear about what people did when they were younger that has sort of influenced them to be, DIYers now. We're talking to uh, Wildbrush or Shop Wildbrush and having her telling us about when she played with Legos as a kid or when we talked to uh, Byron from FG, FBJ Creations and he said how he was always tampering with things when he was young and there's always similarities in people being hands-on with their kids but always a little bit different ways that they embodied that. So it's kind of cool to hear everyone's here and how they, how they did that. Definitely. I see another par parallel too. And uh, in the same trip this weekend that Jameson and I went on, we also stopped by Rockgeist in Asheville, which is a dope bikepacking company. And we got to chill with Greg Shout and other Greg. Greg, both Gregs, Greg squared. And we got some coffee and stuff and chilled and talked. It was really cool. But I also found out that he has a PhD in mechanical engineering and before, and it's like bachelor's degrees in biomedical engineering. And I'm like, ah, even, even then, like he still has like this baseline of, working with mechanical things and like building and taking things apart in his head. And so I just thought that was cool that there's still a parallel between all of us that make, uh, even though he's probably a lot smarter than we are, but still same, you know, same principle. And it's cool too, because it doesn't, it's not like just engineer engineers do MIOG. You know, there are people that are engineers or in the medical field or more creatives like Avery, there are people that span on all sorts of spectrums that all kind of find a line back to making gear. 
Also for this episode, we have Kyle Baker, the founder and owner of Ripstop by the Roll, sharing his MYOG journey. All right, so my DIY or maker origin story goes back to the days of Appalachian Hammock. And for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Appalachian Hammock was a company that I started with my little brother, or Ryan. Um, and that was the predecessor to Ripstop by the Roll becoming an actual thing. Um, but anyways, what we were doing with that company, Appalachian Hammock, was making things like hammocks and tarps and accessories. Um, but at that time, this was back in like 2011, 2012, so a while ago, um, I was doing – my part in the business was doing most of the like website stuff and organizing the business of like – there's a lot of different things that happen – have to happen um, aside from actually making the gear to, to have a business um, and put things online, that sort of stuff. And that's what I was doing and my little brother was uh, sewing all of, of the stuff. I didn't know how to sew. I'd never sewn anything. Um, but yeah, the problem uh, came in uh, that way. One week or week over week, we started selling more and more. Not a ton, um, but you know, it was just he and I. Um, so it doesn't take a lot to to get you to a point where you can't keep up. And that's where we hit after. That's what we hit after a while, which was that uh, my brother couldn't keep up and, and go into school. He's like 13, 14 years old at the time, um, and I have a full time job, and we couldn't keep up with the orders with just him sewing. So it got to the point where I felt like I was letting sort of letting him down um, in not being able to like not having the skill set to to sew. Um, and I kind of realized that I just was, I don't know what was holding me back from, from doing it. I guess maybe there was some like doubt or fear that uh, I wouldn't be able to sew. Um, but we kind of got put into a corner where either we had to figure out a way to get out of that hole, um, ourselves, or we could, um, not be able to fill orders in (laughs) to our customers in the timeline that, um, that we promised. So yeah, one night. I I got my brother finally to teach me how to sew. The first thing I sewed was a a stuff sack, how, you know, a lot of other people start out. And yeah, I mean the first couple were pretty ugly, but um as you do it more and more, you get better with each one. And eventually after maybe like five or six of those jokers, I um I was making something that like looked looked pretty good. Um and I remember actually going down to show my mom. Right? We'd been up until like, I don't know, three or four AM uh, making stuff um the night before and then I got up the next morning, went down and and showed my mom the final stuff sack that I made and I said, Yeah, like take a look at this, like look at this. Like I I did this, right? And um, I think I said something like, I'm getting pretty good at this. Like, these lines are straight. (laughs) It was this really, really cool thing. And for me, um, I will remember that until the day I die. Um, And I've always liked uh, being able to uh, figure things out on my own and DIY fits uh, that, that, um, that thought process really, really well. Um, and I like being independent, right? Um, so figuring things out on my own, being independent, and uh, yeah, going from kind of this helpless state of not being able to to aid my brother um, in in the sewing load and things like that, to being able to uh, contribute, right. And make stuff, uh, was, was a really special thing. And I was really jazzed about it. So started with stuff sacks. And then from there, 
uh, made pretty quickly progressed to things like hammocks and, and other accessories, um, made a tarp or made a couple tarps. Um, but yeah, that is really where it all started for me, um, is, is being put in a position where we had to put up or shut up. Um, and uh, on the other end, I was able to, to make some stuff. So, um, yeah, that's what started the DIY journey and, and maker journey passion for, for me. Absolutely. So should we, so now that we've heard like, uh, our stories, which Avery, by the way, yours was definitely the best. I want to put respect on that. That was awesome. <laughs> Um, should we read some of our favorite submitted, uh, journeys? Yeah, I think these are all some really interesting journeys that people shared with us. And, um, I think everyone will hopefully, if you're listening, you'll be able to find a story that you can relate to, but, uh, Carter, why don't you start with the first one? All right. Uh, before I read, I'm going to make a preface here that I learned how to read like three weeks ago. So if this is rough, please don't laugh. Uh, this is from our guy, Joshua L down there in uh, wherever he is. And it says decided that we were going to start ba- going backpacking monthly, September through April needed to have some warmer quilts for my hammock and all pre-made quilts simply didn't cut it for a big boy from Townsend. Uh, so if you don't know, this is not part of this, but if you don't know, I mentioned earlier that I used to work for this company uh, splicing all of the bridge components for the bridge hammocks. Um, and I'm definitely aware that this hammock in particular has no underquilt that fits it properly, technically, because it's a very unique shape. Um, so that's really cool. I, I can relate directly to that. Um, Josh ended up investing in a sister SR8700 sewing machine to tackle the creation of the top and bottom quilts for summer and winter. That's sweet. Uh, I, if we decide to go further north, he says, I may end up designing a pod, but that's a long way off. It's never as long as you think, Josh. It might be a long way off now, but one day you're going to just, you're going to be making pods all night long. Uh, But yeah, that's really sweet. Um, Again, it's really cool for me to read like people that I don't know that, I mean, I have this connection with this person who knows about this product for a company that I used to work for. And Bill Townsend, who owns this company is like a really cool dude. Uh, He actually, like when I first started working here was one of the first vendors that I got to know and he sent me like 50 craft beers. It just showed up in the warehouse and like Kyle came walking in. This is literally like when I first, I first took over like wholesale stuff like Lance does now. Um, and I guess I sold some rolls or something to him and it was Kyle or somebody that comes walking in with this huge heavy box and it's addressed to me. And I was like the new guy and they're like, why did you order something here? <laughs> and then they open it and it's just all craft beers. So uh, since that day, I've been in love with Bill. But yeah. All right, James, what's next? So this is from Matthew H. Matthew said, I've learned sewing from my mom around 14 years old and I've been sewing since. Recently, I've been making outdoor covers for the powered paragliding community. This was so rad just because I don't, I don't really know too much about paragliding. I've never done it, but I can only imagine the the skill you have to possess to feel good about making stuff for paragliding. I think the most high consequence thing I've ever made is like a stuff sack or a backpack maybe. So fair play, Matthew. Awesome. So mine's a long one. So just stick with me for a second. This is from warm and crispy, which I believe are trail names. (laughs) It says. Oh, that's government right there. (laughs) That's all government name. Let me see your ID. (laughs) 
So it says, started making gear for my wife and I back in 1990. We live near the AT, the Appalachian Trail, and wanted to reduce our pack weights to increase the amount of ground we could cover. Was hard to find high performance fabric back then, but we managed to get our hands on ripstop nylon for tarps, two person quilt, and backpacks. We now live in New Zealand and run an outdoor based leadership development program. We still use a lot of homemade gear utilizing DCF and high performance nylons. Using gear we have designed and fabricated takes our wilderness experience to the next level. In a way, it completes a circle of self-sufficiency. Your decisions in the mountains produce rewards and consequences, but that principle also applies to our gear designed and manufacturing at home. Shortcuts usually lead to a long way home. Big thanks Big thanks for providing high quality fabrics for the self-sufficient. That was so much more eloquent than what I said about my journey. Can we re-record? Can we go back? Maybe we just go back. I'm going to throw in some uh, like some like idioms and figurative language to maybe boost mine up. But no, that's really awesome. Like it's un- speechless. I think, like the one thing that it highlights, I am like I think one thing that's really cool is like even joining. Uh, like hammock forums back in 2013 or 2014 at that time rift stop by the roll was just starting and even then it was just like it was obvious that there was this big hole of like the current vendors that were making hammocks were all using just like the worst rift stop nylon from i don't even know where they were getting it but it was terrible um so it's cool that like i mean and this is in 1990 which i wasn't even born yet so I can't imagine what they were making back then. Like, and the, it must have been. A two-person quilt also seems like, I, I thought that was a new thing, but here Warm and Crispy is just doing it up in the 90s with their two-person quilt. Okay. If you, uh, Warm and Crispy, if, uh, if you're interested in work, hit us up. I could probably steal or uh, use some of your ideas. I also love just to highlight the last part of that uh, says shortcuts usually lead to a long way home. And that hit me hard at multiple levels, like making and hiking, like girl always gets tired and wants to take a shortcut. And then I know, you know, it's, I'm going to just want to redo it later, make it longer. So that part really resonated with me. Carter, you're up. Yeah. So this is from Drew P Uh, says, I'm actually a total noob. I've only made a few line zipper bags and learned how to use my machine. The reason I got started in MYOG is because I'm a pretty tall guy and I wanted to make a tent and blanket for myself that actually fits. I grew up with my mom working in the textile industry here in North Carolina. That's really cool. And was always around crafts and textiles. So I guess to me, it seems like a, Hey dude, just make your own kind of situation. So here I am y'all. Yeah, Drew, that's awesome. Uh, Shout out to another NC person. We're built different as our coworker Tim would say. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, again, I think you can see like Drew's a tall dude in the market out there. There's not like for people that are different sizes or maybe outside of the norm or are looking for something that a big box store might offer. Uh, when you can't find it, typically like people like us resort to just making it ourselves. So shout out to you, Drew. Uh, also, um, Send us pictures of your tent if you haven't already. I'd love to see it. So this is from Scott L. Scott says, as a climber, skier, mountaineer, and alpinist, I'm always looking to improve my gear and save weight. 
I started making small mods to existing pieces of gear I own, like adding loops and straps to backpacks and apparel to hold specific things. Lately, I've been building bigger things like ice screw holders, crampon pouches, and even a pair of Dyneema shell pants with a full side zipper. These are lighter than existing commercial products and fit my needs perfectly. I love MYOG. Once again, people with the high consequence items, this guy is such a baller. <laughs> I would never make stuff that's going to hold me on an ice screw or climbing, but I am very interested in mountaineering. So Scott, let's, let's chat sometime. I love that. We have been getting lots of uh, people who are doing some extreme sports out there and making it's very beyond just like the woods and the wilderness gear. So I think that's cool. Um, this one is from Charles S. I started making backpacks as a teenager in the 70s since none of the ones available to me then met my requirements for a separate compartments and comfortable use. I mostly used canvas in those days. <laughs> Woof. Recently, after retiring, I began camping and my A-liner camper needed an awning and since none were available commercially, I decided to make one. I found Ripstop by the roll online and purchased my materials to make my awning. The results are great since I found a lightweight and sh very strong material. My first camping trip was to Flagler Beach and it stood up to the wind and rain. Now I'm interested in exploring newer composite materials that are very light and strong. I have several commercial sewing machines for my leather craft hobby, but my plain old 70s home singer sewing machine does just fine in sewing these synthetic materials using T46 and T70 threads. Um, I just love that. I've watched some videos on YouTube of people making their own um, awning for a camper for a van, and it's something that I'm looking forward to do here in the next couple of months. So shout out to Charles. He even gave us the texts of the thread, the text size. So important information there. <laughs> I low-key feel called out by Charles because here I was thinking that like, oh, you know, I've been doing this for seven years. I'm kind of a, like a veteran of the game. And then he's been doing it for like almost for over 50 years. That is amazing. Uh, I, again, that's like two of you. That's two of you, Carter. Yes. And Jameson. <laughs> We're both the same age, but, you know. Anyways, uh I also would love to see pictures. Uh, if you have pictures of the backpacks you were making in the seventies, that would be super cool to look at and maybe even do like a, a side-by-side -side of a current backpack versus like what you were making then. Um, yeah. I just think that's awesome. So leather work is very cool. I'm slightly interested in it just because I think you could do some really cool lifestyle items with it. And I would imagine there's some, there's some similarities between what we do with sewing and leather work, but also, but also 100% different. Like the construction is so wild. That would be really cool to see. So I love to see that, Charles. I've dabbled in it slightly, um, but you know, Isaac also makes his own leather stuff. Uh, so he was showing me some of the stuff or like how he makes it. And I would love to do that, but I can't risk getting obsessed with another hobby. So I could just have to like close my eyes and <laughs> say no. The leather work merit badge, does that count? Absolutely not. Uh, I guess I'm up next. So this is from... Matt T. I first learned of DIY gear making on the MYOG subreddit. Starting with a brother CS6000i, I sewed my first gathered in hammock for my son with a DIY kit from RSBTR. It turned out fantastically, and I moved on to stuff sacks, a tote bag, and zip pouches, all with materials sourced from Ripstop by the Roll. I live in Carrie NC. Shout out, Carrie. Jameson used to live there. 
uh, and like the idea of supporting a local company. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, a hammock is an awesome first project. I think people are intimidated by it because it's like weight bearing or, uh, or whatever, but ultimately it's, it's really simple and it's one of the most, for me, it's a very fulfilling project to make because when you lay back in that thing and you relax, it's like, Oh my gosh, like I could have spent like $70 on an Eno and I spent $25 and made this and it's probably better. It is better. Um, so yeah, shout out Matt. Uh, yeah. If you're, if you do any, uh, hiking or anything like that, hit us up. If you're close to us, maybe we can, uh, hit the trails. And I say, this is reminding me that potentially we should look at doing some rip stop by the roll gatherings of some sort one day. I know it's something we've chatted about a lot, but we don't get in front of people very much being an e-commerce company and looking at these, there's a handful of you that are local. Uh, no autographs, but I will supply, um, stockings if, uh, if you guys are down for that, we'll have some available for sale. <laughs> this story is from Jane S. Jane says, I did a lot of hiking in my youth. I'm now over 50 and I want to get back out on the trails. The advance in technical fabrics and ultralight mindset means my old stuff isn't light enough and my knees are too old. My first project was re-engineered version of the Costco down throw to an overquilt and an underquilt. Since I'm only 5'2", I could steal some length from the top throw and use it to make a double layer bottom throw. I selectively seam ripped the square quilting to create a double layer underquilt that has channels running perpendicular to each other, blocking air incursion through overlaid stitching lines and creating more air pockets between the layers. I used ripstop by the roll to purchase nylon, shock cord, cord locks, and thread. According to the internet gurus, a Costco quilt will only be good down to 55 degrees and a simple double quilt could be okay down to the high 40s. I was able to comfortably take my system down to 38 degrees, uh, 38C. I th I'm just going to say 38 degrees because, because I make 18th century women's and men's clothing for my living history hobby. I already had both machine and sewing skills. Thank you. Rips out by the roll. This lady straight up knows how to do stuff. Really reading that I got confused, but this double layer, this is impressive. <laughs> I know what she's talking about only because Costco down throws were like all the rage for like two years between. Yep. Yeah. Jameson actually slept in one of those that I made in like 2018 um, this weekend as his top quilt. Uh, but yeah, 18th century women's and men's clothing. I've always been intrigued by people who make clothing. Like I said, my grandmother was a seamstress and made wedding dresses and things like that. And I just, I don't think I'm about to start on uh, my friend, Tim and my friend Joe are going to help me make a, like a fleece hoodie here pretty soon, but I'm still pretty nervous. I've made a fleece hat and a few other things, but yeah, we'll see. But yeah, 18th century clothing itself is pretty ornate unless we're talking about like the super poor people. They just wore like pretty much like nothing, some rags, but I assume that this is like the more ornate stuff. Again, send us pictures. I would love to wear an 18th century men's clothing outfit for an upcoming video or something like that made out of all DCF. I will pay for it. Let me know. Thank you for sending this in, Jane. This is awesome. Okay, last one. This is from Lane R. Started about six years old making my own Barbie gear in a quilt. Progressed to tailored suits and a cashmere coat in my 20s. 
and now blackout shades for my converted sprinter with ripstop by the roll fabrics. Life is good. And then we got Kyle's favorite emoji, which is the smiley face with sunglasses on. <laughs> yes. Again, like I'm so impressed. Like the reason that I love working here is for, is to like read things like this and just see how we are connected to all these different people that although they're very different than us likely and have very different hobbies. Uh, there's still something that connects us, which I just think is such a cool thing that pretty much we unwillingly got into. Right. And it's just pretty awesome. Also the jump from Barbie gear to tailored suits. Like what did you like take the limitless pill? Like what happened? <laughs> That's a, Barbie gear sounds hard. Honestly, that's like really small clothing. And then, yeah. Oh yeah. I just started making, you know, just like three piece suits and uh, that's very impressive. And I'm going to go practice my skills now. I just wanted to tack on to what Carter just said and say that we're all connected by one common thread. Yeah. Pun life. Reading these stories is so, so very interesting. I was about to say it's so cool, but I'm not allowed to say that anymore. But uh We've gotten so many stories over even just the year I've been here from so many different applications. More often than not, people are making stuff for outdoor gear, which is never boring. I can never see too many backpacks or quilts or, or shelters or whatever, but even stuff like I remember Avery, if you remember this as well, we got an adventure application for somebody that makes uh, blow up. They use our fabric to create in an inflatable like world. Like they have a whole story system and they create creatures with our fabric and stuff like that. You know, I would never ever imagine doing that. And it sounds incredibly difficult, but the, um, the diversity of makers that we have is absolutely incredible. I would agree. It's always great to read other people's journeys and stories um, to see what y'all are doing with the wonderful world of ripstop so that is all for today's episode thank you for joining us and listening to another one of ripstop on the record and also we are so excited about the upcoming episodes because we have some news to share uh, make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss anything that's right if you like our podcast there's a good chance you're gonna like our other stuff we also make videos and graphics and other things that could be helpful funny or interesting to you so check us out on youtube on instagram facebook and as always keep an eye on the website for new things to come bye everybody